1: Is that really in the Bible? Question, was Jesus Christ a humanitarian? That is a person committed to going about, you know, doing good to other people, Uh, you know, taking care of the sick, feeding the poor, uh, bringing the handicapped people to church. Was Christ Jesus a humanitarian? Now let me tell you something, a lot of people would say, oh yes, that's exactly what Christ was. Jesus Christ was the greatest humanitarian that ever lived, that ever existed. You know and and here here's the point. There's nothing wrong with doing good works. We all understand that good works is not what saves us though. But if you're doing all the a lot of people do the good works and miss the point of Christ's message. Well, what was Christ's message? Well, I'll get to that in just a little bit. But the question is, was Christ Jesus a humanitarian? I'll never forget the time that I We have a church sign, and one time I put on a church sign that you can't be Christian and pro-choice. I mean, to me, this is a no-brainer that you can't be for the killing of the unborn and call yourself a Christian. Well, no sooner I'd put that sign up, I got the nastiest letter on the front doorstep of the church that I'd ever read in my entire life. Life. It basically said, well, you know, who are you to be condemning the sinner? The church should be about doing good works. The church should be about feeding the poor. There's so many other things that we could be doing than pointing out people's sins and saying, you can't be Christian and pro-choice. Well, okay, the bottom line is this. You can't be Christian and pro-choice. That's That's the point I'm trying to make. But, her, but this person's view was we need to be about humanitarian efforts. I mean, let, let me ask you a question. What does Jesus and Mother Teresa have in common? Or what did Jesus and Mother Teresa have in common? Well, probably very little. Probably very little. On a larger scale though, Christ Jesus performed the greatest humanitarian work ever and it was found in basically it was found in one word let's take a look at what this one word was notice what the bible says in matthew 4 and verse 17 it says from that time jesus began to preach and to say repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand that one word would make all the difference in the world. In other words, the greatest humanitarian effort was accomplished without ever so much as lifting a hand. It was found in a message, repent. This single act would improve the lives of all people and all nations if we were to repent. And what I'm saying is I feel like there's a lot of people out there who are involved in all kinds of good works Boy Scout, Girl Scouts, Feeding the Poor, who are involved in humanitarian efforts. Nothing wrong with that, but missed the point of why Jesus came to this earth. He came with a message. The message was, repent. Repent of your sins, what is sin. Sin is the breaking of God's law, 1 John 3, 4. And unless you understand that, unless you understand what sin is, and have repented of your sins, all of, your good, all of your humanitarian efforts will get you nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. You see, if I repent, the quality of my life will take care of itself. If I repent, my life will improve. If I re- repent, things will change in my life. So if my life is not working, what does that tell me? Well, it probably tells me that there's something I need to repent of. So it would seem to me, it would seem to me that what is more important is to get the message of repentance to the world. Not simply be about going about doing good deeds, thinking that I'm saved. And missing the boat about what the Bible says about repentance. What Jesus said about repentance. You see, ours is a fix the symptom society. You know, we never deal with the real issues. We never re- deal with the real issues. The symptom is a sign that something more serious is going on. But all we're worried about is just fixing the symptom. You know, a person comes along and says, Well, look, I haven't worked in three years, and I don't have any money. Well, what's the answer to that, that problem? Well, a lot of churches, guess what a lot of churches do? They, just get, they, they take up a collection and say, Here, here's some money. That's not the answer. That's only... Fixing the symptoms. the answer is get off your butt and get a job. That's the answer. But we just like to deal with the symptoms. The symptoms. And we never really deal with the real issues. Had a person call our church one time, a woman call our church and and she said, you know, I've got a, you know, basically I've got I, I got these three children, none of by by three different men. None of the bums will pay pay child support. None of them will pay child support. Appalachian, they just cut the heat off, they just cut the electric bill off. We're in the cold, we don't have any heat, we don't have any food. I've got three hungry children, can you help me? Now what are you supposed to do to that? I mean, what are you supposed to say? No, and hang up the phone, I'm not helping. Well, it's hard to do that. Now the real issue is for her is that she is searching for a father's love that she never had and the reason she's getting involved in promiscuous sexual relationship one right after the other is because she's searching for a father's love that she never had that's the real issue and so we come along we say okay here i'll send you some money and uh maybe you can feed feed your children In other words, let me put this band-aid on this artery that's been cut in two. We only deal with the symptom. We don't deal with the real issue. Now, the real issue is, you know, and, and you see, whether you can help a person or not depends on how people respond, you know. If I would have said, well, it sounds to me, to this woman, it sounds to me like, you know, men are using you. Sounds like you're sort of playing the horror, you know, you're running around having a relationship with this woman, this this man, this man, this man. You've got three children who, by these deadbeat sperm donors that don't, you know, they don't care about anything. It sounds like to me that you need to get your act together. It depends on how she would respond it to that. If she would have said, you know, you're right. I have been sort of loose lately, and I need to get my act together. Well then you can help that kind of person. In other words, you can help the person who acknowledges I'm doing something wrong. You cannot help the person who will not acknowledge that, who denies that that they are a sinner. You can't help that person. You can give them all the money in the world and it will not help them until they confess that yeah, you know, I am doing something wrong. I want to tell you something. Jesus Christ was not about fixing symptoms I mean, he wasn't. I mean, he he come along and he said things like, you know, whosoever there be of you that forsake not all that he has cannot be my disciple. Man, that's powerful stuff. Forsake all that he has cannot. He wasn't about fixing symptoms. He was about fixing problems, the real problem. Called sin. Jesus said, if any man come to, uh, come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and his sister and yea, and his own life also cannot be my disciple. In other words, until what Christ was saying is this. Until I get some kind of commitment from you, you're going to live in your problems. I've got to get a commitment from you. I'm not about just fixing your little problem. And so often we go to God with our little problem. I got this smoking addiction. I got this drinking addiction. And we go to God and we say, "Oh God, please help me." And uh God comes along and says, "You know, yeah, I I'd be willing to help you with that, but that's not all I want to fix. I want to fix you from wingtip to wingtip, from head to toe. I'm not just interested in your little problem, your little smoking addiction. I want you, all of you. I'm not interested in just fixing your little problem. A lot of times we come to God and that's all we want. We just want God to fix our little problem over here and once it's fixed, we can go about our merry way. No, that's not how God works. It's all of you, it's complete, it's unconditional surrender to God's will. You give up yourself to serve God. Was Christ a humanitarian, committed to improving the lives of other people? No, no he wasn't. He wasn't. Now, I know that may shock some people. Let's notice this little story here about a woman who was asking for some help. It's found in Matthew 15 and verse, Matthew 15 in verse uh, 22. And behold, a woman of Cana came out of the same coast and cried unto him, saying, have mercy on me, O oh Lord, you son of David. My daughter is grievously vexed with a devil. But he answered her not a word. Wow. He didn't say a word. He just kept right on going. And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she cries after, her, after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but into the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Then came she and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to the dogs. And she said, true, Lord, yet the dogs eat from the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said, O woman, great is your faith. Faith, be it unto thee, even as you will. And her daughter was made whole from that very hour. You know, This woman could have said, well, you're calling me a dog. I dare you to call me a dog. And just walked away. And Jesus would have never helped this woman's daughter. But she responded in faith. She said, true Lord, but the children eat from the crumbs that fall from the master's table. You know, it's how people respond depends on whether you can help them or not. It's how people respond to God, whether God will help them or not. You know, Jesus healed everyone that came to him, but they had to come to him with faith. There was a lot of people that were not healed. They heard about Jesus' healing, they heard about he was a great miracle worker, but they didn't come to him, and they, were, and they died in their sins, they died in their unbelief. So, you know, it depends on how you respond to God. People don't like being called a dog. People don't like being called a sinner. People don't like admitting that there is something wrong with them. That I am not right. You know, I've got something on in, in, inside of me that is destroying my life. People don't do not like to admit that. And I am saying, and until you admit that, God is out of touch, out of reach with you. He cannot work in your life. It depends on how you respond. It's like the example I gave earlier, the woman who called and said she had three children and, and none of the bums would play child, none of the deadbeat boyfriends would have, uh, were willing to help her in any way, and she wanted to know if the church could help her and give her money for her children. And again, it depends on how the individual responds. If she would've responded in such a way of repentance and said, look, I realize I'm not living the right kind of life. I am a sinner, and I need to quit. I realize that all these guys are doing is just taking advantage of me. They're just using me as a sex object. Well, a person who admits that can be helped. You can help that kind of person, but you cannot help a person who is is willfully deceived. Willfully deceived. You know, I heard of an example of a church that it was a, it was a bum that was attending their services and didn't have any money. And they were taking up a collection for this guy to help him out. And somehow this bum got wind that, that they were taking up a collection for him. And he came to the woman minister's home at night and demanded and wanted the money. And she said, I'm not going to give it to you right now. And he turned on her and brutally beat her to death. Yeah, it happened just locally, about 10 miles from where I live. You know, never help the ungrateful person. Never help the ungrateful person. Anytime you feel sorry for someone, run like the devil in the opposite direction. Because they're about to take advantage of you. I mean, let me ask you a question. Why would I come to you and want you to feel sorry for me unless I wanted something from you? Why would I want your sympathy? I don't want your sympathy. I don't want you to feel sorry for me. But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that are good at that. They're good about making you feel sorry for them. I'm saying get these people out of your life. Until they're willing to confess up, when they're, until they're willing to admit their fault, you can't help them. You can't help them. <clears throat> now let's notice, a, uh, <clears throat> let's notice a little story here in Luke, uh, Luke 4 and verse 24. Because this is an interesting story. It says in Luke 4 and verse 24, And, and he said, Verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you the truth, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elias, when the heavens were shut up three years and six months, when great famine was throughout all the land. But unto none of them was Elias sent, save unto Sarepta, a city of Sidon, unto a woman that was a widow. This, this, this is a fascinating little story. You know, the Pharisees of Jesus' day believed that this was God's country, sort of like you know a lot of Americans do. A lot of religious people think, oh, this is God's nation, this is God's country. Well, there was no different back then. The Pharisees believed that this was, God was working mightily right here, right now. And Jesus comes along and says, you know, there were many widows in your land back then, and none of them was helped, except one. Elias was sent to one to feed her. And, you know, I mean, here's God's great humanitarian work. Many widows in the land of Israel. When the heavens were shut up, and there was great famine across the land, three and a half year famine, no food, no water. And God comes along and rescues one person, one woman. Oh, man, that just galled them to death. It really did. And he continues on. He continues on. Let's continue on. He says, And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet. And none of them was cleansed, save Naaman, the Syrian. And all they in the synagogue, when they heard this, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill there on which the city was built. That they may cast him down headlong. You know what they tried to do? They tried to kill him. Because he said, Look, there were many lepers in your land. Many lepers. And leprosy is a hideous disease. And God comes along and he heals one. Heals one. He heals one leper. You know, and their view was well, I don't get this. God should be a humanitarian. God should be rescuing everybody. He ought to be emptying hospitals. He ought to be healing all kinds of sick people. He ought to be, you know, and and that's the reason for a lot of people's unbelief about God is because they think God ought to be a humanitarian. They think that Christ was a humanitarian. And I'm saying that he wasn't. I'm saying, Christ, it's how you respond to God, whether he will rescue you or not, whether he will come to your delivery. It depends on how you respond. God is under no obligation to do anything for you if your attitude is wrong. He's under no obligation to do anything for you. I don't care how bad it is. If your attitude is wrong, God is under no obligation to to help you if your attitude is wrong. Now, I'm gonna say something that's gonna shock a lot of people. Humanitarian efforts does not make us a Christian nation. A lot of people think, oh yeah, you know. Now, I will say this, our humanitarian efforts has put off the wrath of God upon this nation because we are a generous nation. We come to the rescue of more nations, more other nations, and more people when they have earthquakes, when they have tidal waves, when they have... You know, we're, America is a generous, giving country. And we come to people's rescue right and left. And I think that's the one thing that has sort of staved off the wrath of God upon this nation. Because we're also a very sinful nation. But if, if it's one thing that's kept back the wrath of God, it is the fact that we are generous with our money and we do help a lot of other people. but I'm saying humanitarian efforts does not make us a Christian nation. And I really believe that one of the ways people avoid repentance is through humanitarian efforts. It's called compensation. One area is lacking and we overachieve in another area to make up for the void. In other words, we look at our lives and we say, I don't really want to repent because that's pretty serious. Unconditional surrender to God, accepting Christ as your personal savior, going down in the waters of baptism, having hands laid on you for the receiving of the Holy Spirit of God. I really don't wanna do that, but I'll serve the Boy Scouts. I'll serve on the Girl Scouts. I'll do this, I'll do that. I'll be involved in all kinds of humanitarian efforts and hopefully one day God will look down and say, well, you did a few good things. Go on in through the pearly gates, you know. That's the way we reason, you know. It really is. I mean, it's silly. It's, it's downright silly. You know, the church of God is not established for making this world a better place to live. Sorry, it's not. That's not the role of the church. The role of the church is not to make this, per- this world a better place to live. The church is not a humanitarian effort committed to improving the lives of other people. The church is not established established for fixing the symptoms. The church does not hand out condoms so people can have safe sex. That's not the role of the church. God did not intend for the church to attack the monumental, impossible task of somehow establishing the kingdom of God on this earth by itself. No, Christ will take care of that part when he returns of establishing the government of God on this earth. So, the church so what is the role of the church? What's the church for? Well, the church's message is very simple. It is, repent. It's all or nothing at all. That's the church's message, repent. And I, I tell you, it's sad, it's sad but true. But a lot of preachers and a lot of churches out there don't even know the definition of sin. There are all kinds of people that flock to their church every Sunday morning, and if you were to do a survey and ask them, what's the definition of sin? They couldn't tell you. They don't know because they've never been taught the definition of sin. What is sin? It is the breaking of God's law. The breaking of God's law. I mean, it's obvious. Most religious people don't get that. That sin is the breaking of God's law. I mean, how many times have you heard, I I hear little children cursing God's name in vain. They'll, They'll say, well my, you ever heard people do this all the time? It drives me nutty. Well my, and then they'll say God's name. Or good, and then they'll say God's name. And then they do it out of frustration. You know, they hit their finger with a hammer. Well my, and then they blurt out God's name. What does it mean not to take God's name in vain? it says don't take my name which is God and use it in your everyday vain conversation it's okay to use it in worship it's okay to use it in a program like this I can talk about God because that's what I'm talking about but don't use God's name his name is God and don't use it in your everyday vain conversation it's, it's a holy name you know it's holy don't don't use it in your vain conversation Was Christ, so I'm saying most people don't even know what sin is. That's what I'm saying. If you don't know what sin is, you can't be saved. If you don't know what sent your Savior to that cross, the reason he died for you, you, you know, if you don't know the definition of sin, 1 John 3, 4, sin is the transgression of God's law. If you don't know that, you're really not saved, okay? Until you come to that conviction of what sin is. Okay, let's never forget. God's looking for your response. How you respond to the message. That's what God is looking at. And how you respond makes all the difference in the world whether God will come to your rescue or not. It's an issue of how you will respond to God. Was Christ Jesus a humanitarian? Answer, no. No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. Christ came along with a message. The message was, repent. It's all or nothing at all. Jesus' humanitarian effort was found in one word. And the one word is, repent, repent. And that's what's really in your Bible.
0: If you would like a free DVD recording of this program that you can share with friends and loved ones, write to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. And be sure to mention the title of this program, This program has been paid for by the tithes and offerings of the Church of God Rocky Mount and friends of this ministry. If you have been challenged by listening to this program, then consider that a great blessing. You can visit us on the web at isthatreallyinthebible.net. It is the support of people like you that make this ministry possible. If you have been blessed by this understanding given to you today, then consider making a donation by writing to Church of God Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. That's Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151.